Good morning, church family, and welcome to another virtual worship experience. And let me let you know something. This isn't just any virtual worship experience this Sunday. This is a special one because it is the beginning of Passion Week, the beginning of Holy Week. And it is the first day of our Holy Week, which is known as Palm Sunday, brothers and sisters. From Sunday to Sunday, from this Sunday to next Sunday, we will walk with our Lord and Savior, move with our Lord and Savior, from Him entering the town of Jerusalem all the way to the cross and all the way to being resurrected to the Father. This is one of the biggest weeks that we have in our Christian faith as we worship God and commune with God. If you're not paying attention to the Bible any day of the week, or any time of the year, this is the time to home in on the struggle, the life and legacy left in the gospel of the Bible, left in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and told throughout millennia that you can come and today get an understanding about. So brothers and sisters, there are a few announcements in which we have, you all should have for this Sunday, several items. Because last Sunday we had our drive-through communion and our palm leaf pickup. So you should have one of these. If you don't, God be with you. I tried to give it to you to pass it out, but you had to come to the church to get it. Nonetheless, we have it here. And this is a symbolism of the palm leaves that were thrown out on the road and waved in the air as Jesus entered the town of Jerusalem. And brothers and sisters, that'll be the text in which I'm preaching from today. And I'm so excited to bring you a word from the Lord. But despite having this, you also will need to have communion because following the end of this service, we will go directly into communion. And then brothers and sisters, keep in mind that next weekend, the day before Resurrection Sunday, we will have our drive-through luncheon, which will take place between 12 and 3 p.m. Once again, Listen now, between 12 and 3 p.m. That means you can get your food between 12 and 3 p.m. If you come there at 3.05 and we have run out, don't curse us, don't get mad at us, don't talk about us, don't tweet about us, put bad messages about us. We told you the time between 12 and 3 p.m. So come and get your food for Resurrection Sunday in celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, trying to have something up here at the church to just see your smiling faces. So keep in mind, 12 and 3 p.m. Also, we will have things given out by our Christian Education Ministry. Uh, we will have, uh, we'll be distributing resources for the children's ministry, some goodie bags and things of that nature. So we'll have things for the children as well. So keep all of this in mind. There are great things we're doing here in the life of the church. There are great things we're doing in the lives of the people here at New Morning Life Baptist Church. And I'm just excited that you all can be a part of those things as well. Nonetheless, there's a message from the Lord. And this Sunday's message, this Palm Sunday's message, I've entitled Miss. Conception. Come on, somebody. Say amen at home. Repeat that word with whoever you're sitting next to or if you're sitting by yourself. Say it alone. Misconception. And I'm coming out of Matthew chapter 21 verses 6 through 11. The Bible says, The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd 
spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that were ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth in Galilee. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. Misconception. Misconception. Brothers and sisters, I want to start off talking about a word before we get into the word misconception. And that's the word perception. You see, Perception is a powerful concept because it dictates how we perceive reality, which influences our life. You see, the way you perceive something can alter how you feel about it, alter your work ethic, alter the way you engage a person, a situation, or a thing. Perception is very powerful. You see, some people can see an abandoned building. And they can look at that building and think, it's a shame they don't tear that building down. It's, it's, it's a shame that somebody would just leave that building the way it is and not try to do anything with it and go on about their day. That's one person that looks at an abandoned building, but somebody can come along and look at that same abandoned building and see opportunity. See that, wait a second, we can turn this abandoned building into a house, put some paint on it. We can put some new doors and windows on it. We can build up some things here, landscape the yard, and we can make money off of this. Some people can look at an abandoned building and see opportunity. Brothers and sisters, the same thing with cars. Some people can look at an old car and think to themselves, man, I need a new car. And some people can look at that same old car that someone else felt as though they should get rid of and say, I can turn this old car into a classic car. Come on, Brother Marshall. Brother Marshall in our church, he loves to work on cars and brothers and sisters. He's somebody that can see an old car. Look at it and with his mind's eye, know that he can put a new paint job on it. Know he can put some new tires on it. Know he can put a new engine in there and then realize that what somebody would have deemed as trash he can turn into treasure. Brothers and sisters, some people can have a perception of you or a perception of your children and just write them off. Say they'll be good for nothing. Say they'll be dead before they're 21. Say that they'll end up in jail. Come up with all kind of misconstrued ideas about who you are, who your family is, and who your children are. But somebody else can come along like a teacher that believes in you and sees more in you than where you come from and how you act and see that unruly child, that disrespectful child that everyone has written off and say, come here, you sit right here. You listen to what I'm going to tell you. Don't let your condition dictate who you're going to be in life or how far you're going to go. You come to school and learn all you can, be the best you can and do the best you can. You can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be successful. Someone can look at somebody that they've written off or the world has written off and inspire hope into them just because of perception. Grandmothers do it all the time 
with people in the family that, that, that other family members may have written off. That's why some people love their grandmother so much because when everybody else in the family wrote them off, the grandmother still believed in them. Brothers and sisters, perception is a powerful thing. God looks at us. And whereas others may look at us as sinners, whereas we may be subject to sin and have to live and figure out how to come up out of this mud and miry clay, God looks at us and doesn't just see a sinner. Doesn't just see somebody that isn't always as faithful to him as he is to us. He looks at us and sees his child. He looks at us and sees the destiny he has for us and believes in us. That's the power of perception. Perception is a powerful concept because it dictates how we perceive reality, which influences our lives and the opportunities we have. Brothers and sisters, perception can be defined as an individual or collective identification and interpretation of information in order to understand reality. You see, perception is good when we have a collective understanding of reality. Perception leads to expectation. Expectation leads oftentimes to assumption. And we all know what assumptions can lead to. You see, perception goes wrong when our understanding of reality is inconsistent with others. And then our perceptions collide. Our expectations collide. Our assumptions collide. That's where we come to our word. That's the title of our sermon today. Then we have a misconception. And a misconception is a conclusion that's wrong because it's based on a fault or faulty thinking or facts that are wrong. Brothers and sisters, misconception leads to failed expectation. And brothers and sisters, on this Palm Sunday, I want to talk about the misconception of perception. I want to talk about the reality of failed expectation. I know this isn't a typical Palm Sunday message. I know this probably isn't what you were expecting to hear, especially when you see the heading over the chapter, Jesus' triumphant entry. You see, brothers and sisters, on this Palm Sunday, we will look at the fact that over 2,000 years ago, people waved palm leaves in the air and shouted, Hosanna. And they had the misconception that Jesus was going to save them from the oppressive Roman Empire. They're just waving their palm leaves. They're just throwing their cloaks on the ground. Hosanna. Hosanna. And brothers and sisters, they had the misconception that Jesus was there to fulfill their agenda. Not realizing that he was riding in to fulfill God's destiny for his life. Hmm? You see, perception is a powerful concept because it dictates how we perceive reality, which influences our life and our actions. Brothers and sisters, 
Jesus is physically riding on a donkey, but is also riding on the perceptions and expectations of the people around him. You see, they are excited about what they expect him to do, but they are not aware of what God has called him to do. You see, brothers and sisters, this is a classic case of misconception of perception. This is a classic case of failed expectation. You see, the problem is, oftentimes we have the wrong perception of God because we're searching for heaven on earth. We have the wrong expectation of God because we're expecting our belief in God to eliminate us from hardship and pain. You see, we have our plan and God has his plan. And it's often a different agenda. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You all might remember I preached that around this time last year. God has his plan, which often is a different agenda from our plan. Somebody remembers that Deacon Wallace. Somebody remembers that Deacon Sam. Somebody remembers that Deacon Jones. The true struggle is working to make sure God's agenda and our agenda coincide. Maybe I got that backwards. The true struggle is making sure our agenda, let me put that first, coincides with God's agenda. Because oftentimes, brothers and sisters, we think that God's agenda should coincide with our agenda. And I just came to let you know on this Palm Sunday that you're sadly mistaken. That we're not here for ourselves or for our own pleasure and happiness. We are here to glorify God. And we are here to experience His grace. Brothers and sisters, the misconception is that Jesus came to fulfill our desires, to make us happy, to help us achieve success and be comfortable. That's the misconception. Just in case you missed it or, or maybe a commercial popped up in the middle of the sermon on YouTube. Watch this. I'll say it again. I said the misconception is that Jesus came to fulfill our desires to make us happy and to help us achieve success and be comfortable. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we can't be happy. I'm not saying that God doesn't want the best for our lives, but we have a misconception about success and happiness and achievement that that's supposed to be the sole purpose of our existence here. And we're sadly mistaken. Brothers and sisters, this makes me think of when I learned how to ride a bike. You see, I started off on the training wheels and I didn't mind training wheels. I actually liked them. You know, being an only child, I didn't have brothers and sisters to taunt me about having training wheels on my bike. So I would often ride around by myself with the training wheels on and I, I didn't mind them at all. I actually liked the training wheels a lot. I didn't think about the fact that the goal is to, to ride without the training wheels and be able to be self-sustained without using the support of both wheels on either side of the tire. But I really liked the training wheels. See, it wasn't until I got around my cousins and my cousins just seemed to skip the training wheel phase 
And they were on the bike zooming up and down hills, doing all kind of tricks, doing this thing called the, the catwalk where you lean on your back wheel and hold the front wheel up. And I'm still on the train of wheels. <laughs> Amen. And brothers and sisters, I just want to point out to you, sometimes we have fickle faith in the sense that we're relying on the things of the world like train wheels. That we've gotten so caught up on success. We've gotten so caught up with our jobs. We've gotten so caught up in our relationships, our marriage, a significant other, friends, and comfortability. That we like the train of wheels of those things. And we put faith in those things. Put hope in those things to sustain us and keep us up on the road. But not realizing that those things are just helpers. But the true thing that we're supposed to put faith in is God. That, that, that we don't need the training wheels of a job. We don't need the training wheels of, of, of a steady income. We don't need the training wheels of how we're going to provide for ourselves. We need the sustainability of God's grace from day to day. Because brothers and sisters, if you define yourself by the training wheels of worldly success, what are you going to do when those things come to an end? What are you going to do when the money runs out? What are you going to do when that person leaves you? What are you going to do when that friend betrays you? What are you going to do when those worldly things fall by the wayside? And now you have to come back to God. And now when the training wheels off, you got to figure out how to keep the bike up on the road of life. And brothers and sisters, those things are just training wheels that make you feel comfortable. But what should make you feel secure aren't the training wheels, but your faith in your Lord and Savior. And brothers and sisters, I'm encouraging you to take the training wheels off because it's a misconception that that's what's supporting you. It's a misconception that that's what's keeping you steady on the winding road. But brothers and sisters, it's through having faith in God. It's through belief in God that keeps you sustained. That keeps you going and keeps you pushing on. Brothers and sisters, we got to take the training wheels off. In Matthew 21, Jesus is physically riding on a donkey, but... Is also riding on the perceptions and expectations of people around him. You see, there are hundreds of people in the crowd as he rides in on this donkey. Technically, the text tells us there's two donkeys. Say so he's riding on one donkey and it has a fold, which is another donkey. So I don't know how he was riding on both of them at the same time. Maybe he was sitting on the, 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 the mother donkey and had his legs on the coat side straddle and rolled in that way you know had his own kind of lean his own kind of swag as he rolled in but brothers and sisters this is the fulfillment of prophecy that he rides in on a donkey and not a horse this is the fulfillment of prophecy that he doesn't even have a saddle he has his disciples and friends cloaks on the back of backs of these donkeys brothers and sisters this it's prophecy that he comes in this way. And he rides in and comes into the city of Jerusalem. And as he comes in, people are yelling and waving palm leaves. This symbolizes the palm leaf. Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, son of David. Hosanna to the heavenly king. 
They're throwing their cloaks down. I bet it's a sight to see, brothers and sisters. It would be almost equivalent if somebody was riding in a convertible car down the middle of the road and people were throwing their jackets, taking their shirts off and throwing them on the road and throwing confetti in the, in the air, yelling Hosanna. That'd be something to see. That would cause confusion, let alone a traffic jam. And Jesus has caused and stirred up some confusion. He's caused and, and, and stirred up the crowd because they believe in him. And they're yelling out Hosanna. And brothers and sisters, the interesting part about them yelling Hosanna is that the definition of the word or the translation of the word Hosanna is save us. So brothers and sisters, they're yelling out, save us, save me, King Jesus, save me, son of David. They're yelling it out, save me, while they're waving these palm branches in the air. And brothers and sisters, their expectation of him is that he will save them from the Roman Empire. And that he's riding in like a king after a battle showing victory for the Jews. Mind you, brothers and sisters, the Jews are a small group of people in this vast empire. And although they're this small minority group of people, now they've elevated this man named Jesus, and he's coming through the town, and the people that aren't Jews are like, who does he think he is? Riding in, people throwing their clothes down for him to walk on, for the donkeys to walk on, people pulling and cutting palm leaves. Down. Who is this Jesus? And brothers and sisters, not only that, they're saying, save me. So now he's upset somebody. Because now they're trying to figure out who is this man that they're asking to save them. And brothers and sisters, to provide context to the biblical text, what they're asking for is to be restored back to normalcy. They're asking to be restored back to the glory days of King David where they ruled themselves and didn't have to pay taxes to the Roman Empire. They're asking to be restored back to the time where they were the pupil of God's eye and had favor in the sight of God. They're asking to be delivered from their calamity. Because brothers and sisters, they are tired of being ruled by a pagan empire that worships pagan gods. They're tired of paying these taxes to this foreign empire that worships foreign gods. And they want to get back to the old days. They want to get back to their old relationship with God. That same God that brought them out of Egypt under the rule of Pharaoh and brought them through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. That same God that as they marched around the Jericho walls, then the walls fell down. That same God that parted the Red Sea. That same God that went fighting for them with the armies of Israel. That's, that's the God they want to get back to. That's the glory days they're trying to get back to. So when they see Jesus, they're exalting him as their king, as their general to lead a rebellion to bring them back to those glory days. So you can see why the empire would want to crucify him. You can see why the empire would be troubled because now they're thinking an uprising is happening, brothers and sisters, because these people are yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save me. What I want you to really see, brothers and sisters, they're not concerned about their souls. They're not concerned about whether 
They're going to go to heaven or hell. They're not asking for salvation. Meaning to be saved from an eschatological coming of, 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 of the end times and, and, and life to come of, of heaven or hell. They're not asking to be saved from some spiritual malice of death, of having to live eternity in hell or having to live or being able to live happiness, have happiness and righteousness in heaven, brothers and sisters. They're looking to be saved from hell on earth. Mm. Somebody will see where I'm going. Well, let me tell you where I'm going. Brothers and sisters, they were asking to be delivered from the pain they're experiencing right now. And brothers and sisters, basically what they're saying is get us out of this situation right now. Do something for us right now. God, change our calamity and our predicament right now. And brothers and sisters, their misconception is that Jesus is riding in affirming their beliefs. Affirming their perceptions, affirming their expectations. But Jesus is riding in, affirming God's destiny for his life. Because he hadn't come to save them from a Roman Empire. He's come to grant them salvation for their souls. He's come to give them encouragement and to show them not how to run from pain. Not how to avoid calamity, but how to ride through it. And get through it from day to day. Brothers and sisters, this message on Palm Sunday should encourage us because we often only deal with the fanfare, the pomp and circumstance, and the happiness of Jesus riding in and the Hosanna and then the crucify him part by the end of the week. But not realizing the true message of Palm Sunday is that Jesus faced his death and walked in or rode in on a donkey. With his head held high. That he didn't shy away from it. That he didn't make excuses for it. Jesus rode in on hardship and pain. Jesus rode in knowing he was going to let him down. Brothers and sisters, Palm Sunday symbolizes a different victory. Not a victory of avoidance. Not a victory of, Lord, I'm trying to get you to just pull me out. But this is a, a, a victory of, Lord, I'm trying to get you to give me the strength to ride through it. Huh? Do we see that? Jesus knows what the people want. Jesus knows they're cheering for him as though he's won a battle, like he's won a war. But Jesus also knows the battle has just begun. Brothers and sisters, this is the classic case of the misconception of Perception, brothers and sisters, the Jews see a savior. The Roman Empire sees a terrorist. The disciples see a teacher. The Pharisees see an imposter. Non-believers see a man. And believers see a king. And brothers and sisters, this is a battle of perception, the battle of expectation and reality. The expectation we have for God sometimes, brothers and sisters, is not always God's plan for us. And oftentimes we find ourselves dancing between the misconception of perception. You see, brothers and sisters, when I was an undergrad, 
I majored in speech communication. And I have to admit, I was involved in so much. You know, I seem like I've always been doing a lot. Uh, I did always go to class. I will, I will say sometimes I may not have always been paying attention. But this one day I paid attention, I learned something that I love to share with anybody that'll listen. And I love to talk about and think about all the time, especially when I'm having a conversation with someone. And it was this concept of interpersonal communication, meaning your communication between another person in a room, a one-on-one -on -one type of conversation. And that day in class, we learned that when you're talking to somebody, you're having six conversations. Somebody say six conversations. And you have an angle. You're having six conversations. And while you're having six conversations, you're having three on your end. And the person is having three on their end. And these conversations are going back and forth. Let me tell you the three. Watch this. Pay attention now. Don't miss it. You have who you are. This is who you actually are. Who you think you are and how you think you're coming and how you're actually coming off. Let me say that again. I don't want, to, want you to miss it. You have who you actually are. You have who you think you are. And then you have how you're actually coming off to the person you're talking to. That's on your side of communication to them. Then on their side of communication to you, they have who they think they are. How they're coming off and how they actually are. And these three conversations, I should say, six conversations are just dancing around each other. The entire time you're talking. And brothers and sisters, we spend a lot of time trying to understand if people are who they say they are or are they trying to convince us of who they want to be. Come on. Let me break that down some more. When I talk about these six conversations, sometimes you meet people and you think they're so arrogant. You think they're so self-centered. You think they're so caught up in themselves. But... If you ever really get to know those people or ever actually talk to them, you realize they're very insecure. That it's actually the fact that they're masking their insecurity, who they really are, with arrogance so you don't see where they have their weaknesses. Huh? And as you get to know them, you move past the first conversation, meaning the representative who they show you, which is the arrogant one, to who they actually are or, or, or what they're really dealing with, then you see, man, that's all a mask you have on. Then you get past that to the root of what they're really dealing with, with who is the essence of who they actually are from day to day. So brothers and sisters, all of us have this. It's through insecurities, it's through arrogance. All of us do this dance of who we are, who we think we are, and who we actually are. And brothers and sisters, we can find ourselves in a situation where we're spending years trying to find out if people are who they say they are. Brothers and sisters, people and situations ride into our lives with who they are and who we expect them to be. And we can spend years battling the perception of who we want them to be and who they actually are. Huh? I know I confused somebody, but just hold on with me. What I'm pointing out to you all is we're constantly doing this dance. 
between the perceptions of who we think people are, perceptions of what we think a situation is, perceptions of obstacles we have and we face from day to day. And brothers and sisters, the good news gospel is we should never be confused about who Jesus is. We should never be confused or have a misconception about Jesus' purpose. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the vine and those that are connected to him will bear much fruit. Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the bringer of salvation. Brothers and sisters, we should have no misconception about what he came to do. You see, Jesus didn't come to make your life easy or give you all the desires of your heart. I know that's hard to hear. I know some people are going to the Bible and, 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 and thinking about when they read, make your petitions known to the Lord. Or, or thinking about the, the scripture that says, knock and the door shall be open. Ask and it shall be given to you. And, and all the desires of your heart. I know people are going down those thoughts in their mind. But brothers and sisters, I want to present to you the reality of the fact that you know you've had things you've asked for that you've not received. And I'm not going to get up here and preach this gospel that every time you ask for something, you're going to receive it. Because brothers and sisters, while the scripture says that, the scripture also says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. And that right there is the fine print behind the things of what you ask for. Because what that really shows is, is that if you're not asking for righteous things, the right things, your prayers will not avail. That means we should be thankful that God didn't answer every prayer we wanted. We should be thankful that God didn't do everything we requested because as we've gotten older, we've realized that our perception of what might have been happening at that time, our perception of what God may have been doing at that time was from a level or angle where we didn't see the full picture. And brothers and sisters, we serve a God that sits up high and looks down low. We serve a God that sits down low and looks up high. We serve a God that's right here in it with us. We serve a God that's Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, that knows why he designed and created us. And therefore, he has a 365-degree view of all that we are experiencing. So therefore, he has an ultimate perspective of our needs and our destiny. Brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't come to make your life easy or give you all the desires of your heart. You see, as believers, we must know that walking with Jesus does not divert us from a path of pain and suffering, but teaches us how to ride through the crowd of chaos with our head held high. Huh? Let me say that again. I said as believers, we must know walking with Jesus does not divert us from a path of pain and suffering. But teaches us how to ride through the crowd of chaos with our head held high. Just as Job in the Old Testament that said, though you slay me, still I will trust you. Just as Joseph 
that was sold into slavery by his brothers, accused of rape by his employers, then thrown into prison for 10 years, but was then elevated to second in command to Pharaoh. And all throughout that story of Joseph, Joseph, the Bible tells us that God was still with him. And brothers and sisters, you can make the argument that his predicament went from bad to worse to even worse. And brothers and sisters, the text said God was still with them. And what that shows us is that God doesn't always change our affliction. God doesn't always change the hardship we go through. But God gives us the tenacity, the ability, the agility to ride into the crowd of chaos. Just like Jesus with our head held high. Come on, somebody. Just ask Paul in the New Testament. That said, concerning my affliction, I pledged and I pleaded with the Lord three times that he would remove it from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, my, therefore most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ rests upon me. Therefore, I will take pleasure in hardship and reproach, in needs, in persecution, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am made strong. Brothers and sisters, this ain't no prosperity gospel. This ain't no sunshine and rainbows gospel. This isn't no feel-good gospel. This is the reality that the cross symbolizes pain and suffering. That when Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, that goes to show that somebody is paying the price for your happiness. Somebody is paying the price for your comfortability. Somebody is paying the price for you to have success. And brothers and sisters, it may not feel good, it may not sound good, but our Lord and Savior gives us the strength and tenacity to keep going. Gives us the strength and tenacity to keep pushing through. And brothers and sisters, we must take this Palm Sunday experience and look at how Jesus rode in with his head held high. Knowing that the same people that wave a palm leaf saying Hosanna will be the same ones that cried out crucify him. And he went on anyhow. I'm sorry if you thought being a Christian was about feeling good. I'm sorry if you thought being a Christian would omit you from having hardship and pain. I'm sorry if you thought you made an investment by paying your tithes on Sunday and serving in the church that that was going to get you a prosperous life. No, 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 no. This Religion isn't for everybody. Yeah, I know that's a hard one. I know you might say, Pastor, I've never heard a pastor say that, but I want to be honest with you. If you were looking for the road to be easy, if you were looking for everything to just get better, I want you to realize that when you make that commitment to love and serve your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when you make that commitment to let the world go and to follow Christ, you're making a commitment to ride on through chaos, ride on through hardship,
brought on through calamity and those people that are saying, save me. Or in our case, praising us one day, but crucifying us the next day. That's what you're pledging and that's what the, the gospel good news of Jesus Christ is that you don't have to look outside of Christianity to find your hurt and hardship and pain. That you can see it in the story and life and legacy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, that's why as we move through this Passion Week, we see that this first day is the day that he walks and makes his way to the cross. That this first day of our Passion Week, this Palm Sunday, is what leads him right to his death. Oh, yes, they're waving and saying, Hosanna. But in his mind, he knows he's walking to his death. Brothers and sisters, this Christianity ain't no crystal staircase. It's not trimmed in gold filigree. It's not a Mercedes Benz, a BMW. It's not the Ritz Carlton. It's not anything nice and fancy. It's about being able to push through and make it through when life hasn't been good to you. It's about finding comfort in discomfort and still doing what God has called you to do. I'm sorry if you were looking for a different type of story, but brothers and sisters, I came to assure you that we serve a God that's called the Prince of Peace. And brothers and sisters, he's called the Prince of Peace because what I left out is that he came riding in on two donkeys. I don't know how he did it. He was sitting side straddle to the left or uh, sitting side straddle to the right, brothers and sisters. But he came riding in on a donkey. And brothers and sisters, theological scholars say that the donkey represents peace. Represents peace because notice he didn't come in on a horse. Because if he came in on a, on a stallion, a Palomino or a Clydesdale or, or some grandiose horse, it would have signified that he came in to start confusion. That he came in like a warlord. That he came in like I am he. I am the king. I am the one. Who's going to make everything right. And change your life and turn around. But he came in humble. He came in lowly. Let's go back to verse 5 in chapter 21. It says look your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey. And on a colt. The foal of a donkey. He's fulfilling prophecy. And brothers and sisters he's riding in. On a donkey symbolizing peace. What you must take from that. Is that even in chaos. Even in the misconception of perception. You can ride in. Like Jesus on a donkey and still have peace. Jesus is the embodiment of having peace. In the midst of the storm. Jesus is the embodiment of not being swayed or losing focus in the midst of praises and peace people worshiping him. Jesus is the embodiment of perfect peace. Brothers and sisters, despite the crowd's misconception, Jesus is focused. Despite the excitement and praise, Jesus knows that this moment will lay the foundation for his death. Jesus does not shy away, nor does he hide, but rides in with his head held high, ready to face opposition and fulfill his destiny. Brothers and sisters, the misconception of Christianity is that our experience and our role as Christians 
will bring us pleasure and comfort. But the reality is that we're supposed to find comfort and discomfort through relying and trusting on God. The reality is that the cross is one of pain and suffering. And I can remember as a child during Easter, we would say, must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all the world go free. No, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. And brothers and sisters, I know it's Palm Sunday. And we hadn't gotten to his crucifixion on Friday. But brothers and sisters, he's riding in already bearing the cross. He's riding in already with the weight of the world and the weight of expectation and the responsibility of his calling on his shoulder. And brothers and sisters, he's riding in with his head held high. And what you must take from that as believers is that no matter what you go through, you ride it with your head held high. You go through it with your head held high. You persevere through it like nobody can make you doubt or, or, or make you wring your head or lower it. Because brothers and sisters, God is a good God. And God will keep you in the midst of the storm. This Palm Sunday teaches us that Jesus embodied King David's words. That yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. That Jesus embodied the word of the prophet Jeremiah that said, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who confides in him. They will be like a tree planted by the waters that seeds out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in years of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Brothers and sisters, the perception you receive from the gospel should not be that Jesus triumphed over death and pain because he avoided it. But that Jesus triumphed over death and pain, hardship and calamity because he went through it. So take this Palm Sunday message and let it encourage you to get through it. Take this Palm Sunday message and undo the misconceptions about faith and belief in God. Challenge yourself to have a new perspective. That this religion that we align ourselves with, this belief in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is one that doesn't avoid us, doesn't omit us from pain, but teaches us how to get through it. I pray this blesses you. I thank you for joining us. And may God bless you. And always remember what we say here at New Morning Life. The joy I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Now I'm thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. God bless you. Have a great Palm Sunday. Giving your life to Christ is the most important decision that you'll ever make. There's a lot of things that pull us in different places spiritually in this world. The decisions to go here, the decisions to go there, our family, our friends, our work. However, this decision of giving your life to Christ is the most important one that you'll ever make. So at this time, I pray that you'll give your life to Christ. If you don't have a church home, 
or have a genuine relationship with God. It's not enough just to go back and forth and just try to live this life without a Savior. It's not enough to try to do it on your own. You'll feel the weight of the world and the fatigue of trying to carry all these burdens by yourself. However, if you put all your burdens on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he can give you peace that goes beyond all understanding. The word tells us that in Christ, we are new creations and the old is washed away. So right now, if you don't have a relationship with God, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Now the first part, confessing with your mouth, isn't that difficult. But the hardest part is believing it in your heart. And that takes process and that takes time. So what we're offering here at New Morning Light Baptist Church is a church home that will help you through that process. So I implore you at this time to make the decision to give your life to Christ and turn away from the world. It's not easy, but you can do it. I believe in you. Our Lord and Savior believes in you. You just have to make the decision and make the sacrifice to leave the old life behind to move forward in newness of life. God bless you and have a good week. Amen.